0: Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show. The talking shirt. The Shirt Show. The talking shirt. The Shirt Show. The talking show. Shirt Show. show, man. All right. Episode 161 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Dan from Silver Screen in Nevada. Let's go. Shirt
1: Show.
2: Hey there, hot stuff. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? I just, just talked to you ready. fucking six minutes ago.
1: I know, and I missed you so hard since then.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think what people don't realize is that when we talk to each other during the week, we want to, like any friend would, be like, hey, what's going on? How's your feelings or whatever? And then as soon as we start, we say, no, no shut up. Don't say anything.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, like, sure. uh, when I
2: talk to you now, it's it's real.
1: Yeah, you start telling a story and I'm like, shh, shh,
2: shh. Yeah, shh. Don't tell me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Strictly business on the phone. Right. So yeah. you said it was like 900 degrees there?
1: Yeah, like a good, a solid, maybe not 900, but like 800 for sure.
2: Right. Like a mere you know? 800 degrees.
1: Yeah. How about there?
2: Yeah, same. Surface of the sun. Plus, plus it's on mm-hmm. fire. So the air is just filled with smoke.
1: So what a week this has been. Um, I'll just I'll just start this off on um, for okay, from my what, what happened what, like the shit that went down over here at short dong. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesday, no Internet, which means no phones also. Mm-hmm. So that's why we had to cancel or whatever, reschedule this this episode. Right. Um, and they said it was going to be out for days, but it was on the next day. So that's good. Right. Things worked out. And so we were, we were cool with it. Like it it just worked out. Um, I had gotten an email on over the weekend that said, Hey, you're, we're resurfacing the whole parking lot. It's shut down on Wednesday and Thursday. So that happened. Mm -hmm. And um, we emailed and asked this church that was just like right down the street, if we could park there, they said, yeah, cool. Help yourself. You Mm -hmm. can even come over here and use internet. You can, we have offices. What do you need?
2: They're trying to fucking lure you in, dude.
1: They're awesome.
2: They're like, come on um, in, we'll do communion.
1: Yeah, it was really gracious of them. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we did, like we used their their lot. Then these guys show up on uh, Thursday, yesterday, to resurface this lot. And just let me tell you, these guys were fucking awesome. Like the badass motherfuckers on earth, like the baddest asses. On Earth, that they just showed up. Were they out
2: there? Were they out there, shirtless and fucking cut as fuck,
1: and just practically muscles uh, uh, rippling out of their muscles? No, think opposite of that. But they, they just got it done. Like I've never seen anything like this. They just show up, like they sped in here and, uh, you know, like power slid in,
2: power slid in the parking lot, yeah,
1: and then jumped out, and they were working within thirty seconds. I would say, (laughs) ten of them. And they were like, I'll tell you what, this is a nasty job, resurfacing asphalt parking lots. They had like tar arms, like probably that's that I would say that if you if one of them quit working there, it would take a year to have not have that tar on their body, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like in face because they're out there spraying, you know, it's like with hoses, tar everywhere and stuff. Yeah. And while while he's doing it, like the asphalt's dumped and it's smoking, and he's got a cigarette, you know, just hanging out in mm-hmm. his mouth, and they're just Jeez. badasses.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they die at thirty-five.
1: Yeah, and it was like a hundred yesterday too. On top of it all. Right um but they were really nice real man. like a a couple times one came like and just stood inside and said hey i'm gonna cool off for just a minute you mind i'm like Shh, come on in yeah what do you need Got, stuff Got here. Him fired. You need... <laughs> yeah. um it was really cool like there so it's done and then actually um we showed up this morning and the parking lot was striped and all the concrete blocks were back there and katie who Um, who was a shipping receiver manager lives right down the street and she was driving by and she said at night at 10 o'clock at night they had lights on the parking lot and they were striping it. Like at night. They're badasses. Badasses. I want like um, we should have just hired them all. You know what I mean?
2: I like how we bitch and moan about like oh our t-shirts didn't come in and these guys are like (laughs) fucking covered in tar and standing on hot asphalt.
1: It was gnarly, but they, I was super impressed. It looks beautiful. Like it is, it's glorious. Mm -hmm. uh, Somebody got here this morning and when I pulled up, they were skating it. It was so smooth and they were just like looking up at the sky. (laughs) Smooth. Uh (laughs) Right.
2: The next thing that happens is someone comes in with like their piece of shit jalopy. And fucking the oil dripping out of their car everywhere and they park in your lot and then some other kids right. going to come in and graffiti all over like draw a big dick and white spray paint in the middle of your parking lot.
1: A semi comes and like pulls a Yui and then just all it all just right.
2: like tears it all up.
1: Yeah. Probably. That'll be That's tomorrow. what happen. Yeah. So yeah, that, um, uh, that happened. How about you? What's going on up there?
2: Uh, they're actually doing work out front here too. They're putting in drainage, but it's not it's not exciting. It's just. You know, whatever. But uh shops great. Uh things are going good. Uh we're getting that fourth of July slowdown. But other than that, things are things are nice. We've a couple of people taking vacations. Um been playing a lot of basketball during lunch and uh Bill's gonna give me a fresh haircut after this. So
1: okay. Yeah. The clippers like a number four or five,
2: six. Yeah, I got my seven, uh
1: eight. What are they fucking
2: my wall twenty dollar? Mm-hmm. Clippers. So
1: that's what I use every time.
2: Yeah. And he's gonna give me a sick fade all the way around and uh trim my top and
1: structure manager and
2: barber. So
1: yeah. What about your what about down there?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like I hold I batwing it, I hold it out, and then he just shaves it down.
1: <laughs> he goes like it's like when um on Dumb and Dumber Jim Carrey, they're like filing down his toenails and they but they put the wall down there and it goes like it gets stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
2: just like that. I've <laughs> had a really bad bleeding experience once, so I'm ready for Oof. it. Yeah. Thought I was going to die.
1: You want to tell that story or I, maybe I not. legit
2: thought I was going to die. <laughs> I, I nicked a ball once and uh I bled everywhere. <laughs> like blood all over the bathroom, like mm-hmm. fucking massacre. And then I could not for the life of me get it to stop bleeding and I like Tried all these band aids, I tried everything and it would not stop. So I finally just like somehow got it to stop bleeding enough to put a band aid on to get it to like secure. And then, uh, I the hard part was I had to go to bed and I was terrified that the band aid was going to mm. fall off while I was in bed and then I was just going to bleed to death.
1: You should have just tourniquet like tourniquet that shit,
2: just put a heavy know? rubber band on, on my balls and wake up in the yeah. morning, they're they're black and ready to fall off.
1: I think next time you do that. Next time it okay. happens, do that. Cool. All right.
2: Uh, that sounds good.
1: Yeah. Um, today we flip flop. You know where our stock was in the far corner. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. It was just far, like far from shipping and receiving. Shipping and receiving yeah. is right there. Well, you can almost see it. Look at that.
2: Yeah. Look at see that. that.
1: Do you remember That's how DTF? Yeah. So DTF was there, and it was crowded. And there was way more space over there. And then we brought stock back over here, which where it should be, you know, like that's-
2: Right next to- shipping, If you
1: were, exactly. Like if you're, if you're ordering shirts or if you're missing a shirt or whatever it is, you need to pull from stock, well, there it is. It just makes nice. sense. And we thought like in my head, I'm like, man, that's a full day's project. There's, this is gonna take some time, but we were, it was just half day. Nice. Finished by lunch, you know, so-,
2: so is a good There's a good team there.
1: Yeah, we got it done.
2: We got that camp thing we're trying to do.
1: We have a camp.
2: Where where are we at with that? Well, Well, in real time for us right now, tickets go on sale tomorrow, July 1st.
1: Yep, today's June 30th. Tomorrow is, can you believe tomorrow's July? What the hell?
2: I know, dude. Dude, tomorrow is my son's birthday. My- I, I officially have a teenager
1: tomorrow. Ooh. Uh oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well. Hey, I um, I'm sorry, but it should be should be okay. Mine, I remember with mine. I don't know what teenager. Thirteen is that seventh or sixth? It's going to be in seventh
2: grade. Does it mean eighth? Yeah. Grade?
1: Oh, okay. Well, so he's already corrupt. Basically, he's been a junior yep, high for, sure. for a year. Okay. Well, then it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He. Uh... Um, yesterday was like the first time and it's funny because he's turning uh 13 tomorrow but yesterday i took them Mm. to the pool during lunch and it was like the first time i've ever seen him act like a teenager to the degree of like being a dickhead like Mm. normally he has like teenager-esque things of like the way he talks to his friends and whatever he does but he's not really too much of an asshole Yesterday, he was just being a bully. to his sister and he was like doing stuff. And then when I said, get over here, like I want to talk to you. I said something to him and he just turned and gave me a look and then like walked away. And Mm. I straight up dad moved. I was like, don't you walk away from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like got him back and he just gave me this like stupid look or whatever. And I was like, dude, I was so pissed. And then, yeah, just the shit he was doing was just like, oh, God, this is what life is going to be like now. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah but you're
1: wait. a good dad he will uh he'll get it figured out yeah i mean you can only beat him so much right hand starts to hurt mm-hmm. it's stretch time and you know what that means our stretch <laughs> is brought to you by oh
2: yeah i forgot we got a stretch now for frank
1: yeah <laughs> that's right um oh wait I always I don't know what order to do this in yet because I think we need to do the button and then say that the stretch time. So no, I'm going to stretch more. while I do it. We're while just you do about stretching today. While you do yeah, that yeah. this. Yeah, don't touch it yet. That's what she said. <laughs> Bring it in. You, let Let's me know it. when you want, let me know when you want me to touch it.
2: Uh, now, anytime you as soon as you touch it, I'm on. <laughs>
1: you were almost a little premature.
2: Yeah, it happens.
1: It all starts with a screen and whether it's new stretches or restretches, Frank and his team do it the best. To find out more, go to graphicscreenfashion.com. F-F-F-F-F.
2: Reddick.com.
1: Or? com. Hell yeah.
2: The world's best.
1: Mm. Somebody, so do you remember that story I told you where uh, that dude, Uh, I was on a shop tour and I gave him a a thin thread, a 158 Mm -hmm. thin thread. He messaged me yesterday and I don't know, I've got to read it. He said, Andy, I just wanted to say thank you so much for lending me that 156 thin thread screen. I finally got to use it today and oh my God, I can't wait to switch all of my screens over to thin thread. The underbase was so perfect. And just like you said, one stroke, thank you again. And that was Sasha, and he has that that brand, that shirt I showed you. You see that? It's awesome. No, is it blurry? Yeah, I can see it. So yeah, that was the print he did with it. Stoked. Mm-hmm. Don't be a moron. Just go get some thin thread. Yeah. Or if you don't like thin thread, whatever. Just get screens from Frankie. But he has both.
2: Worst case scenario, fucking buy some and try it out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy 900 of them. Just get a six pack.
1: Mm-hmm. Cleaning screens is no fun, but Easyway makes it way more funner. Their line of eco friendly chemicals will make reclaiming screens a whole lot easier. Check them out at easyway.com. Easyway. It's the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Graphics Source. And if you or your art department could use some love, then you need to go to 1900 hotstuff.com and get in touch with Nick or Lucas. Nick Lucas at Graphics Source and let them run your business. <laughs> <laughs> and let them run your business. Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. Mm-hmm. They do it well. Uh, no, let them run your art department so you can focus on running your business. Yep.
2: We've been going back and forth for the last couple of days with Nick and it's been really fun mm-hmm. just to get mm-hmm. that hot dog graphic.
1: The world's ultimate hype man. Mm-hmm. It should just, that's what his business cards should say is like Nick Wood, hype man.
2: It should just be fucking like club music. Like as soon as you pull that card out, it should just be like oops 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 And it should just be like fucking light show and shit.
1: Mm. It just makes you feel good. And you know what I mean? And that's um, that's rare out there in the world. So Really? Truly? I appreciate it. Dylan, choosing the right emulsion for your shop is complicated and that's why we love Chromaline. Go to Chromaline.com to watch Kev's fids or contact him on Instagram at The Emulsion Grew and get the answers you need. Yep. Look, if you're not using DTF or screen print transfers in your shop, then you are a moron. So we partnered with Howard custom transfers to get you the transfers you need fast. Check them out at howardct.com. I think that went well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've ordered from Howard every day for the last couple days. Mm -hmm. I feel like every day we have more and more stuff that's coming in that people want transfers for.
1: That is fucking impressive like seriously you've ordered Howard every day for the last two days
2: like if not three or more days.
1: Okay because you said couple days you've like I've ordered from them every day. I just like place
2: an order I place an order thinking like okay that's the order for the week or whatever and then the next day someone comes in and is like hey this customer Mm -hmm. wants toddler hoodies and baby onesies and it's like a five color and whatever and I'm like, well, transfers. Transfer so that shit. Order more transfers. And the next day mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so and so wants to get a thousand tags and whatever mm-hmm. else. It's like, well, let me email Candy again.
1: I'm selling all my presses and just gonna transfer. That's it. Like in my yeah. house or something. Like in my mm-hmm. garage. Seriously, it would idea. be so much easier. Are we recording? I forgot. I don't know. I don't
0: know where we like when you wear that white shirt. See so your sir. Oh, yeah.
1: Today's guest is from the great state of Nevada. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan with Silver Screen. In s- silver. <laughs> screen. Perfectly timed.
2: Perfectly timed.
1: Oh oh, oh. oh yeah, there it is.
2: Sorry about that. What's up, dude? How
0: are you? I'm good, how about yourself?
1: Oh, wonderful.
2: Uh we were talking about how it's about the surface or the temperature of the surface of the sun outside. Is that the case there in Nevada
0: or or what? Yeah, it's like 80. Not too bad for summer. It can get up to 100 plus here. So, yeah. it's That's pretty good. We got swamp coolers blowing everywhere and trying to keep cool, right?
2: Do you feel When I did some traveling in the South um, to a bunch of shops, I feel like that was a staple in every shop with the swamp coolers. Do you feel like they're actually like working really well for you or is it just something that's kind of like taking the edge off?
0: Yeah, we wish obviously we could air condition this place, but taking the edge off, I mean the you know the swamp the water really helps and then we have big fans that that operate up top and then we open the vents so you know try to get good airflow through the through the shop. Right. Yeah, we have, we have five big dryers and those things create a lot of heat.
1: that's You for know, sure. I'm assuming though in Nevada that it's dry and you know it's not very humid and so the swamp coolers don't add to the humidity. It actually probably works better in an environment like yours or a climate like yours is my guess.
0: Good point. Yeah, I definitely think so. We're at 4,300 feet and it's pretty dry and uh, down South in Houston, I could only imagine, oh, Mm -hmm. or down that way. Yeah.
2: I think the place I saw the most of them was in, uh, when I was in Tennessee and I feel like every press had one like pointing at the, you know, the loader and the puller. So, um, I don't know. I just always wondered. I always thought about getting one here, but I didn't know if it would make much of a difference with my climate or not. But well,
0: the, water's, like, the, the waters, the water is the key, right? I mean, the big fan is great, but getting that, getting the water in there really cools the air coming through. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um. So you kind of have a cool story. You had a life and a career before you acquired a print shop.
0: Yes. Uh, Definitely. I'm a logistics guy. Most people don't know what that is, but, you know, ocean air freight, custom brokerage, global operations. So worked my way up after college. I thought it was a pretty cool thing. I worked for Apple in Munich and I didn't like computers that much. And I'm kind of a small town guy. So, uh, you know, I found an industry. It's basically trucking, warehousing, those type of things. So, you know, my, it was a good career for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I ended up being the CEO of some you know fairly large companies, 100 million type uh, not not super big like uh you know, major corporations, but uh one
2: hundred million seems of, like a pretty good sized
0: company. Yeah, you know, thousand employees, something like that. But the the problem with the industry for me was is that uh the travel is seventy percent overseas. So, you know, it's just a destroyer of the family life and mm. live in right. big cities and I'm from a small town, so you know, I just got, got kind of burnt out. Um, I was on a plane going to Dubai. The owners were in the last, I worked for private equity, the last company, and uh, you know, I don't think private equity is bad, but it's all about the money, right? Employees and customers are kind of second nature, second fiddle to that. So I had a little bit of struggle with that, but mostly the travel. Um, and uh, I really wanted to get close to my hometown. Reno is uh, about an hour outside of Colfax, California, which is 1900 people. My mom's 83 and I told my wife, I just really want to slow down a little bit. And I really want to kind of get back to the entrepreneurial type of stuff and, uh, you know, focus on the yeah. employees and the customers and kind of have a little fun. And I thought I wasn't going to work as hard, but this is not an easy industry to kind of back the hours, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah. at least I, at least I come home every night. Right. And uh, how
2: was, uh, how was that life? I mean, I know you said you were traveling and everything else, but like your day to day, was it kind of like, I don't know. What, what was that like compared to what it is now?
0: Um, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about a CEO uh, like they're the guy in charge. Uh, the truth is the CEO works for owners and uh, they can be pretty, pretty aggressive. And then the CEO's job is to you know, make the employees feel cared for, but make sure that this the, the ownership is being addressed in the way that they want to be addressed. And so sometimes that's just difficult. Um, know i i definitely learned a lot about scaling you know we supported production from manufacturers things like that overseas so you know one of the things i was interested in this business is really getting into the production instead of supporting it but uh you know i definitely learned a lot in the industry for sure it was it was good but again it's i also like the multicultural thing i mean uh that was pretty cool my office was in singapore last company and you know developing a team in Singapore dealing with the cultural aspects the region uh I had a European partner as well so I really loved that part when I was a kid you know in a small town I just thought I want to travel the world and I got to it was great um and I think you know that is an added element of challenge for sure. I mean there's no doubt but you know it's very fulfilling if you ask me. I was it was it was great it really was
2: yeah um Coming from that world to this world, you said that you had some things that you kind of like brought from that, and you really wanted to be more hands on. What was what was yeah, this, the company like before you you took it on? Was it it was a lot smaller, right? I mean, yeah, it wasn't it, small, but it wasn't wasn't as big as it is now.
0: Yeah, so I bought it four years ago in June. So you know, it's been four years. Uh, unfortunately, you know, seven eight months. Right after I bought it, COVID hit, and we went, we actually closed down and then we opened up with 12 people. (laughs) So, you know, somebody said, would you have bought the company? And uh, if you would have known, I said, no, that's the challenge. Uh, But the good news is that, you know, I'm kind of a build it guy and you just rebuild it literally from scratch. Um, but what I what I liked about the industry and I, you know, I've been on a few podcasts with you guys and also with print hustlers. And I think the industry, uh, I heard a guy say, this is an art. This is production. I thought that was a really good way to put it. I think it was a guy named from Social Imprints, Kevin McCracken. He was on Print Hustlers. And um, I think that's where the industry struggles a little bit. Uh, it is art and it's creative and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to push stuff out the door. It's, it's really a sausage factory. And so that part of my training was really good for, I think the company. Um, but, you know, the, the, when I bought the company, uh, I bought it from a guy who started in 2003. Um, he he wanted to reprioritize his family and things like that. But I saw some things that, that, uh that, you know, it wasn't super profitable, but it was good business for sure. But no swing shifts. Um Kind of siloed employees in, in certain styles the printer was a printer, and you know, a lot of things that I thought cross-training and uh you know, we do a lot of labor sharing between departments. Obviously, we're we're I think at 92 people, something like that. I, I think there's efficiencies you can gain. I think speed is is the game, right? So uh I really saw that the industry could be profitable. I also saw the employees were underpaid. I, I hear that a lot in the industry that you know you don't pay much in screen print, but I think. You know, it really comes in down to the disciplines of the shop. Uh, we implemented, uh, uh, you know, full medical benefits and market what I call market rates. Uh, that was a little difficult because you got to kind of catch up to yourself, right? Uh, but uh, you know, once we got there, I, I think uh, you know, once we got a really good, uh, yeah, paid. I think you guys understand. That we we call it a meritocracy here, so meaning that uh, a yearly review is a long ways away for for somebody on the press. So what we try to do is is we, we, our schedules judge their performance every single day in regards to kills and up. You know, we have 100 is obviously optimum, but you know, if a printer is doing 80 as they're learning, they get paid a certain amount of money as as they grow in their their performance. They're immediately rewarded with increases, and you know, I think that culture here really helps. uh I, I implemented that because I thought you know these guys are working hard. and it's not an easy business, and uh in my opinion, somebody should be paid for what they're worth, not you know, meaning if somebody increases their value to the shop, I think you got to get with them really fast.
1: I opinion. agree. Um, how did you, I guess, how do you collect that data? Is it you that collects all that data? And then um did the does the team member know that if they hit a certain number, then that means that, you know, their compensation is bonused or something like that? Like, how do you go about doing that? Did you write the software? Did you buy the software?
0: Like I said, there was some, you know, buying this company was great because there's some really good processes in place. Uh, you know, I think some of the reward versus scoring was was uh, a little bit too slow, in my opinion. But they, they all get their report card uh, the next day. Hmm. So, you know, if they have a schedule, uh, that schedule has got metrics built to it. So, you know, how many screens, uh, how many pieces. Uh, and we, we have basically met, you know, it's to be honest with you it's excel spreadsheets but it comes out of our, our system and um we just write those schedules we give them an amount of time per job um it's a it's a good process and and you know again a new printer is not going to do 100% but we have some that are over 100 and those those printers are paid uh, much higher than the ones below below that and they're scored to, to answer your question they're scored every single day
2: how did you come about getting the I guess the preferred time per job. Did you guys just do that? Like an average over a period of time and say a four color front two color back, this many shirts should be this time. Or how did you come about those numbers?
0: Yeah, obviously setup is a big issue with with a, a, a run, right? So we we average about, I think we're at 170 a job. Uh, we do a lot of promo, uh, sports, things like that. We're just strictly contract. Uh, so what we do is we look at how many screens, just exactly what you said. And it it comes up with a math. For example, I think, I'm not the guy doing that, but I think it's five minutes of screen. I could be wrong, but meaning there's a metrics to every single uh, step. First setup, it's around five minutes of screen? I think so. Yeah, I could be quoted wrong, but uh, I mean, there's math to every single job, right? Right. It it allows for that. Um, So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously a large job is going to require a lot more pieces than a small job. Our average setup, each pilot is about seven jobs per per day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he's running a two setup schedule, then obviously he's going to be required to do more. He or she's going to be required to do more pieces. Um, and then it just it obviously the performance, they we document everything that was performed and then we run metrics for them the next day.
1: Dylan, did you see that Excel spreadsheet from custom Inc. that was being passed around the other day? So it. it was it, it was sick like they it could all be done in Excel. Like you just said, it looked really nice. I don't know who built it out, but it was built out pro. And it had a lot of the stuff that you just described, you know, like each press or per day, and it actually had even dollar amounts that they were were trying to hit, like the goals for the day and everything like that. And then everyone's name, like every single press operator, I guess, press assistant's name, I think they were running a lot of manuals too, because the list was like, seemed like 50 people long or something. But it was really elaborate and it would be so cool to like track that and see that every single day. And like you said, compensator bonus, Um, based on all that stuff, because I think that that's one of the things that we're lacking here. Yeah, you're not rewarded for like more output every day. And so we've never really thought about that. I don't think your shop does that either. Dylan, we kind of just come in and we're chill and we have uh, this is what's due. And we go through it and everybody understands that, hey, we got to get this done. But wouldn't it be great to actually have um, that sort of thing in place? I think it would be good. I hope it doesn't I hope it wouldn't backfire for some reason. There's got to be some sort of downside to it. But it seems like it would be great.
2: Yeah, I think I'm really interested in hearing, Dan, your story and like how your mind is thinking about this from the CEO thing coming into this, because my approach to this whole thing since the beginning has been more the art form side, like... Mm -hmm. I got into it because I was into art and I was into music and all that stuff and that the came together and it worked and then I'm not necessarily a business guy I turned into a business guy because I have to be because I'm an owner of a business and so on and so forth but the more and more we grow the more and more I see like I need to meet both worlds at some like together at some point I can't just do the art thing forever like I have to do. I have to learn some shit when it comes to business and the sausage factory and so on yeah. um so it, i think that's where this stuff comes into play and that's where i've been taught people who listen to the show know that for me over the last mm-hmm. year or two has been a lot of like grown-up stuff like we've been in business for like 15 years but like i'm getting to the point where i'm like all right i need more like legit like hr and like you know all this other stuff and recording you know the times of jobs and all this other stuff so that we can figure things out more clearly and make it the business side of things more cohesive and everything else so do you feel like recording this info and having the presses uh, uh, the operators write all this down and figure this out daily is like good for competition for them or is it like creating resentment where someone's slower than somebody and they're like, well, I'm never going to make what this guy makes because I just can't print as fast as that person or whatever.
0: Yeah. I think the, it does create some competition. The answer is yes. Hopefully that's healthy. Right. But uh, we also have captains on the floor that are there to help them and groom them. So our captains, uh, we coaches, uh, managers are coaches here and uh, supervisors are captains, just kind of a neat language that I stayed with. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Probably from the sports, sports side of things, but you know, uh, I think you know, there's certain people that learn really, really fast and they get rewarded quickly. Some people learn slow, but they they get there. Does that make sense? And so they shouldn't yeah. be discouraged for 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 being slow. What I always say is is that it's better to slow start out slow. And learn your discipline then go real fast and burn a, you know kill a bunch of shirts right so right. i think it just has to be a positive environment i think looking to say hey you know this printer is making x dollars and i can get there and i have support to get there uh is the key you gotta keep it positive for sure
2: how does that scale work like what what do they is it just you you review it after a x amount of month period and say okay you're worth this much more now or is it like a gradual thing
0: yeah, it's been a journey. By the way, all this stuff—if you ask me—for even for me, if you say some background in it, I still, you know, it's still a different industry, and you have to kind of learn your your DNA. I don't think there's one solution for all shops, but I do think. uh in my opinion, we, we struggled with saying, OK, well, w- let's do bonuses. But I find that getting their pay up is, is the most important thing for them. I mean, how do you do a bonus? And then you're doing a lot of scoring. So we really focused on the meritocracy idea and 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 rewarding them quickly. So if I'm answering your question, it's, it's kind of radical almost that uh, I have a two guys that we call the exec team. Right. Um, But I didn't mention as well. And I always want to mention these guys. When I came here, we have four people that have been here almost 15 years uh, in the management team. So when I say a great purchase for me, I mean, you know, you mentioned the art it is art and I, you know, and it's really, really important to do your craft well, but I have that. That's a real blessing uh, to have those guys. However, I think for me, sitting down every single week and we, I, I think one week we did six increases one week. So, you know, is it, is it two bucks an hour? No, but is it 25 or 50 cents an hour? The answer is yes. And fast. So, you know, recognizing them, you know, this, the screen print is 62% of our business. So, you know, our coach and screen print is bringing a lot of those, but I, I, I love to see them. I think that, you know, the idea that we want to reward for, for progress is important. And I think that, uh, not putting a timeline. Remember, I mentioned the guy that learns fast. I mean, you know, we have a young gal. She's probably five two. She probably weighs I don't know ninety pounds and hundred pounds. And I wouldn't have thought she she would be as good as she is. But less than a year from now, she's one of our best printers, and she's mm-hmm. one of our highest paid printers as well. Uh, so you know, I think we manage the the morale aspect through the coaches and the encouragement that we want to pay more. We really want them to step up. But you have to you have to have you know, key metrics to that. You can't just say, well, we like you, right. Or, right. you know, you, you always show up on time, which is great, but can you perform your job as well? And I think also, you know, disciplines do they call, you know, in this business, what I've learned is, is that, you know, if people are not on time and they're not really trustworthy and they do a lot of call outs, you know, that's going to be tough for us. <laughs> so we really try to tell them, Hey, your disciplines are part of the process as well. But well, I love it. That- that was going to be my,
2: yeah. was be my other part of this question is what do you do when you get somebody in the beginning who's eager and wants to prove themselves and does awesome and gets their numbers up and they get their pay up? Does it come down as well if their productivity starts to slack? Because there's definitely, I've seen that throughout the years as I have get people that are here one, two, three years, and then by year four, we call it the printer's curse here where they start to get like, you know, over their head or busy or whatever, and then they think they're better than other people, and they just kind of like, Well, I'm not gonna, you know, this person is getting favoritism, so I'm just gonna work slow and blah blah blah. And it's like, Do you cut it down then, or is that like a meeting between your coaches or your captains or whatever?
0: Yeah, uh, ours. In ScreenPrint, again, the most challenging. So, you know, uh, we, we do a point system through a payroll company called Paylocity. If they're late or they do what we call no call, no show or, you know, two hours before the shift, they get uh, points for that. And uh, those points can add up to a termination. I know it's not something you want to talk about, but that's really, really important for us. We haven't had what you just said. We That's probably a good, good thing to bring up and a fear that I would have. But so far, so far, so good. So um, far,
2: it's working out. Yeah. yeah.
1: I would say that what's important for a shop like, you know, yours, Dylan, or mine is that as we, let's call it mature into having some of these things like tracking data and doing doing that sort of stuff, um, compensating, you know, for bonuses and good, you know, I guess performance is how you put it, is that we don't lose the culture we have or the vibe that we have, because I don't want it to be like you said earlier, Dan, where, it's you were working for a private equity company and it's all about like the numbers and profits and less about the team. And yeah. it, I think that that whatever we do, if we're gonna add any of this stuff, we don't wanna lose the fact that it's not always, it's not for us anyway, it's not profit over team or profit over customers, you know, it's it's the opposite of that. And so I think that's the balance that you would have to, we'd have to maintain somehow and probably would be the challenge, you know? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I have a question about your just purchasing the business. I have a few, actually. Did you um, know anything about screen printing before you decided to buy this shop? That's my first question.
0: Nothing, no. Uh, (laughs) I've got a buddy of mine said, what were you thinking? And I thought, well, you know, but again, the leadership team that was here, I felt comfortable. They knew their disciplines pretty well, uh, but I did not know anything, no.
1: How did you find it? I
0: was going to say, if
2: you didn't know anything about it, like how do you come about a screen printing shop and be like yeah i'll buy this
0: well i uh, reno's is uh is perfect by the way for screen print regional we had talked about that but you know it's san mar and sns are right here and uh, i looked at i looked at that as a positive i looked at uh reno obviously being close to my hometown and i didn't want to live in california if you guys know taxes and cost of living are real high so nevada is a very business pro state so i kind of focused on reno and i said okay and then i then i looked at the shop and i looked at and, and my guesses were right uh, with the garment manufacturer wholesalers here and with California having so much trouble. I, I think sometimes my theory about California is they really they're not too excited about screen printers or manufacturing or trucking or anything else. So I just thought to myself, you know, I want to get close to home. Uh, this seems to be something that I, I can add value to. Seems like a good industry. And I thought, you know, it's a it's a lo- it was a local shop at the time. We've tripled in size. Uh, but I, I just looked at the outside of California. And I said, hey, I, I really want to become a regional uh, provider. We also did things like promo items and buttons and glass and things. And I chased that right out of the building and said, all things garment.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then we diversified into retailers. We did. We're doing sports promo and then some big uniform companies as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I just kind of looked at the whole thing and dove in and thought, I think I can make this work. Uh, and, and again, I I found that I love the industry, which is funny because I didn't pick this industry. It kind Mm. of picked me, if that makes sense.
1: So how long was the time frame from you were interested in purchasing the shop and you put in, I guess, a letter of intent or something to actually closing and having it be yours? What was that? How long did that take?
0: About three months.
1: Okay. And did you then afterwards, let's say you closed and it's now all of a sudden yours, Did you go in front of the entire team there with the previous owner and say, okay, hey, by the way, I'm Dan and I just bought this shop or did they have any idea that it was going to be sold or, you know, how did that kind of play out? I'm curious to how that worked.
0: Yeah, the seller, I would have done it different, but, you know, everybody makes their choices. He's a great guy and he's still on board as a consultant. So, you know fantastic seller one thing for sure is, is I really judged him first as, as far as his integrity and what he'd accomplished and I think he did a great job I always celebrate him for sure because he's half my success if not more right uh but uh, he was very private about the sale I didn't like that part um so they kind of all of a sudden in 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 early July they had me sitting in a room with him and it, you know and that's the first time that they knew about it it was very difficult for sure because the business had been for so long with him owning it since 2003. Uh, if you rewind that i told him right before when we were negotiating i'd kind of get your people involved but he he felt hesitant to do that which is well, his I mean
1: choice, so. i guess you have to think about it though you know if your team is involved and they know that you're actively marketing or trying to sell your company how does that make them feel like cuz they're probably like oh is my job secure what's going on and i know there there are things you can do like um let's say within the contract the sales contract you can say like you can't terminate anyone for six months or you can't turn terminate anyone for a year or whatever that is you know just to protect everyone's job and so that you can maybe build into something that would be interesting or would that way yeah i guess you could tell your team look we're going to sell this company but your jobs are secure do you know what i mean to get get rid of that fear is that something that you considered or did he
0: well, I did ask if he would make sure that he bonused the key players pretty well. And I did review that with them because I just thought I want to make sure these guys have a check in their pocket when they meet me. And uh that was a negotiating part for me. But uh you know, I I, I kind of bared the brunt of, you know, talking about why I'm here, what I want to accomplish, and you know, spend a lot of time with the team. It was pretty rocky for the first six months for sure, and then COVID hit, right? Um, so uh but you know, so, you know, that was a whole different uh, piece as well. But at least I had those six six months to really get to know everybody.
2: What did you do when that happened? I mean, you I'm guessing you had to spend a sweet chunk of money to get this company and to get everything going. And then COVID comes. What what's run through your mind?
0: Now, it was really tough in Nevada. The the governor at the time was uh, uh pretty aligned with Gavin Newsom. And so he decided uh, he called it essential, essential basically workers or companies could operate. We were not in that bucket, so we closed down for, for one day and I brought the you know some key players in and we sat down and and then we went to a couple key customers that we do uniforms for for you know road work and things like that. And we just defined ourselves as essential unfortunately there's just there was no business so you know basically 12 of us uh got together and you know i i learned how to do a lot of things that's for sure which was you know it was kind of fun also you know when you buy a company there's there's going to be some people that uh would don't like the change. There's nothing you could do about it. You guys would run a company different than me, and and it's just part of the part of that. And I I was in merger acquisition, so I was aware of that. It really did give us an opportunity. We furloughed everybody, and then uh, we made sure that they had their insurance and and all that. And then we brought back the the players that we thought you know over time were were the best fit for the business. Um, I think that was a benefit, it's, and, and one of the things that was great about COVID for them was they got unemployment. If you remember, they also got three hundred dollars a the, week. They got so the yeah. I felt we made sure everybody got their unemployment. We did, you know, coaching. You know, we brought them in the conference room individually, and we made sure we helped them sign up for unemployment. Some people didn't get it, so we brought them back right away. Um, you know, we, we overstaffed and lost a lot of money. And like you said, it was a pretty scary time. Uh, some of the government programs just fell into our lap. Thank God. I mean, uh, without those, it would have been extremely difficult to survive for sure.
2: And then post that, how, how are you feeling now? I mean, you're four years in, do you feel like, I mean, you're, you're happy with your decision and you, you love being part of this industry now.
0: Yep. Yeah, I do. I really do. Yeah, it's one of the things actually the reason I'm on the uh podcast with you guys is that I feel like, you know, I'm in the industry, I like it. Uh, I'd really like to, you know, get to know some more folks and you know, kind of we've been a little lonely in Reno, as you know, it's it's a small town and uh, you know, a lot of y'all are in the Midwest and the East Coast, but Uh, You know, I kind of want to get deeper into the industry as far as kind of just networking and getting to know some folks. Nick Wood at GraphX was bugging me. He's like, Dan, you got to do this. I said, "Okay, I'll do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, but. Yeah, I think I think for us, you know, really trying to figure out where the industry is going and and networking and, and sharing ideas is good. I know some people try to keep everything secret in this industry, but, you know, I think I think it's better to share. And I like what you guys are doing. It's great because, you know, you, you're really helping the discipline and in the industry grow. Uh, I don't think it's competitive in nature, really. I mean, we're all doing our own thing. There's enough uniqueness to each company. Right. I
2: agree what you. would you think? what do you, what do you think is something that you could offer that you would want to share that's not already being shared?
0: I would say the labor management's the biggest thing that I, we talked about meritocracy increases, but I see a lot of silos uh, here where there was a lot of them. And, and, you know, again, sometimes when I speak, my staff look at me like I'm got three heads, because to me, there's not such thing as a, a, a discipline that you should learn. And then just be stuck with. In my opinion, uh, our job is to move people around, teach them more skills. We do reward them for that as well. So, you know, it was like, well, we don't want to lose our best printer on red, right? And he does sports. And so he's the best. Make sure he sticks there. But uh, I think, uh, and we encourage uh, what we call, you know, cross training and then uh, uh, labor sharing. I, that's just a word we use, but labor sharing means you move from one department to another. So you create, create a lot of efficiencies there. Um, and also there's a lot of slow time in this industry. And I see, you know, do you, we we guarantee 40 hours here. We've got full benefits and, uh, you know, we, it's just our DNA. But then that's real scary because what happens when spring screen screen gets busy? Well, the good news is embroidery goes nuts. We have 44 embroider heads. So we cross-train those and those people are paid higher as well. So if you're a cro- quote, quote, cross-trained employee, um, then you're going to be more valuable to the company. Uh, you're obviously going to help the profit profitability. And we definitely reward for that as well. Um, But I think, again, by the way, it's just my feeling. I don't know even if I'm correct in in the statement, but at least here, I I saw a lot of protection in regards to a skill. And that person, in my opinion, was stuck. I I understand the reason for them being stuck, but uh, I, I, I think that learning new things is great for the company and it's great for the employee as well and it really helps profitability i mean our headcount we we judge every single day uh, how much we bill so it's two days behind but we and we really focus on that as a management team we we look at our billing every single uh, morning which we did this morning and we celebrate a good day and we don't celebrate a bad day we also look at uh, at the end of the month we look at how much we're producing per head uh, that's a corporate term it doesn't sound very nice but per employee um so right now we're we're trying to gun at 7200 per head um, and and what are the and then go backwards and say okay how do we get building up how do we become more productive with those with those employees and and then you kind of navigate your way through that process of what I told you we're really working hard on that it's it's had great great results you know again of strictly business mind to production right
1: mm-hmm. wow <laughs> um, yeah I think that. I need to spend more time on that sort of stuff you dylan i mean do you feel the same way i mean you know i said you said earlier that you're trying to get more business stuff but i i just you you like listening to you it's really impressive because it's coming from an angle that i just don't have we're a not, whole lot of training you're used to yeah yeah so i think it's great to well, hear that's,
2: that's the interesting part yeah. is that it's just like it there's There's many ways to do this industry. There's many ways for printers to to just survive. Like there's the garage printer who is happy just doing what he's doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they could be like, yeah, this is just what I want to do forever. I just want to print my local stuff in my garage and make money and go home and whatever. And then it goes all the way up to the people that have, you know, 20, 30 autos and they're they're printing shirts too. It's just on a lot bigger scale. But there's also shops like mine that it's just like, you know, I... Built the shop it's doing really well it's got a really good name it's got a good brand it's got whatever i need i stay busy to you know employ my you know 12 15 people and i'm happy like everyone here goes home with five and we do our thing and i want to stay at my three autos or whatever um but still there's it's so interesting to hear everybody's point of view and then it, pull in the stuff that makes sense for you that could just improve yourself Mm -hmm. um but i think your mind dan is very like like you said like the not to say it in a shitty way but like the sausage factory it's like it is manufacturing it is trying to get times better and get more productivity and all this other stuff and it's like that's just something i haven't really super thought too much about but when we have a meeting with a manager or something, that's the first thing that always comes up is like, oh, so-and-so's dragging ass or so-and-so always calls in or like all this other stuff. And it's like, what can I, what would you use as advice to me to be like the first stepping stone or the second stepping stone to be like, all right, let's start to think about this more like manufacturing and if, I, if you were to come into my shop, I'd say I hired you as a consultant. I said, help me get this place fucking whipped into shape when it comes to that kind of thing. What would be the first thing you would want to look at?
1: You'd be like, I can't help you. This thing is a fucking yeah, disaster.
2: Like, this, this is,
0: uh, well, the first thing you, you said is I think everybody's got their goals and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, being happy with where you're at. Right. So, you know, everybody does their own thing. Obviously, I had a, a background and I felt uh, that... This company could take an important step forward. I think the first thing you have to do is get buy-in. Um, you know, you could talk it, it, the first thing they're gonna think is Dan's here to make a whole lot of money and and uh, you know, he, he doesn't care about us. Well, it's actually the inverse. I mean, I care about the employees very much. And uh, but I couldn't see how I could get their wages up and I could really get them the benefits that they needed, so on and so forth, unless we increase productivity. Uh, I hear a lot in the industry the margins are slim, and I, I think they are. Uh the question is, is that. You know, how do you, how do you, I think first you want to start measuring things. And, and the good thing is, there's a lot of disciplines here that I really liked. And then we just added some more. And then really make sure the employees get, you get their buy in by saying, hey, well, this is what we want to do. And this is why it's good for you. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
2: say, say tomorrow I say, hey, I want to start measuring things. Am I looking at setup times, time it takes to print? And then what do I tell my employees as far as that? Because I think the first thing they're going to think from going from, Casual printing, just doing their thing every day. To hey, Dylan wants to start uh, like timing everything and seeing what it actually takes to do something. I think How,
1: I think it's what he just said that you're you're in it. They're buying in too because then they're going to get compensated better. You no, know, it's not just you trying to go faster and make more money. They're they're also going to make more money. You know, like you it's, a, it's the whole company yeah. wide.
0: And, you know, it's that leap of faith, that Indian Jones leap of faith. I mean, you have to say it and then you have to back it up. So it's a little scary, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was scared here because I'm thinking I'm not from this industry, but I just kept working and looking. I said, no, this will work. This, you know, this, but you have to. Make sure that the employee understands that I'm I'm here for you, and I'm here for a stronger company. You know, will mm-hmm. be more healthy, be able to survive downturns, not lay you off in December because I'm scared for January. So on and so forth. Uh, I think you know those are the things that you you have to do, and I think also you have to put it up where you put your mouth, right? I mean, if they say, "Well, if I give my productivity up, I'm going to get rewarded for that," and the answer has to be yes, of course, right? right. Um, but uh, it's really a partnership, right? How
2: do you go about that as a company though, saying, especially like we all know the downtimes and stuff to say, oh, guaranteed 40 hours, you have X benefits, you're this, whatever. Like, how do you go about that? Like, do you have a way to be like, Well, I know I'm gonna get X amount of work in before you say something like that? Or are you just saying that to be like, Well, I guess it's it's what I wanna stand behind and we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we say we, you know, we we don't do the layoffs as a company. We we promise 40 hours a week. Uh there are a couple of ways to navigate that, of course, is not hiring in, you know, late October and uh let nutrition take care of itself. So, uh but uh you know, I think, you know, it's kind of again like I said more and more of a leap of faith. Uh but it, you could suffer some, anybody could suffer some losses with those statements. Um, You know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can't say it and then, and then all of a sudden backfire and say, well, not this year. (laughs) Right. That's that's what I'm saying
2: is I could be like all day long be like, yeah, I want to offer the, you know, full health and this and this and this. And then you get going into it and you realize like, like, damn, this is a lot. And I don't know if I should have offered as much as I did.
1: Yeah. But I think, even now more than ever employee retention is important and it's super challenging. And, you know, them knowing that they have a secure job, like a 40 hour a week paycheck that is never going to be below. That is one of the things that you can do besides the other stuff, like all the benefits that you talked about and all the benefits that we have now. And so I think that's really important. Can we change uh, the subject to customer service for a minute? Cause I have a question. Something happened here today. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, um, say you have a top customer, you know, they give you lots of orders every month and an order goes wrong. So that happened here. It wasn't a very big order. This was maybe a hundred pieces, but they don't complain often, but something uh, didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out. They chose the Pantone colors. We mixed the Pantone colors, but the end result wasn't really anything we did. It's just like they received the shirts and they didn't really like them. Um, what I decided to do was just say, uh, you know, we apologized. And we said how we thought we could fix that in the future. But we said, we're avoiding the invoice. No worries. And no questions asked. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's just, I, that was my first thing I went to, I didn't even think about it. And so is that something that you do? I hated to do it because it's money, you know, like it's a chunk of money on a, actually a very slow week, you know, but it is what it is and so is that how you go about things too even if i know because i know you're heavy contract printer is that the same sort of thing you would do um and also dylan is that what you would do
0: Dan, um well we have a two percent spoilage policy and i would tell you we very rarely Rarely exercise it. Only on you know thousands of pieces. So uh, we pretty much stand behind all our work. Uh, the discipline we have may be a little bit different. I've voided in, in invoices as well. But what I really like is just to take in the what if out of it. Is I want I want the garments back. So what we do is we send them UPS labels. Uh, we tell them, hey, let's go ahead and get, let you know. Let us go ahead and pay to get those garments back, and we're going to inspect those garments. We're going to align with you. We're going to make sure we learn from our mistakes, and we're going to make it right. Uh, so we purchase the garments, we reprint. So you know, your method was good if the customer was happy. We we really. Try to go that extra mile to say we want to make it right. Uh it does avoid some, you know, all shirts are bad when maybe only a few, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a really good validation. I've I've had clients that say, look, I just want this uh uh you know replaced. And I say I still want the garments back. I mean, well, I want to avoid the invoice. Uh so which it's is, a tricky area for sure. It's
2: it's funny because I learned that when I was in Georgia, that that's what they did is they said uh you know i'll pay the whatever fee to get the garments back because i feel like it's over 50 it's probably like i don't know i would say 60 to 70 percent of the time when a customer complains about something with an order and they say i want my money back or i want a discount or whatever with it or i want these redone if you say hey here's the shipping labels i'll get these back once i get these back i'll give you the refund i feel like so many times that they just either stop talking or whatever because i feel like they're mm-hmm. just trying to get free shit. like well i
1: think you this know really i mean they're unique.
2: like they're like oh something's wrong with this and then we're supposed to reprint and then they're like cool now i have a double order or whatever because we've had that before where people are like you know oh i these are unsellable that's always what they say they're like there's no possible way i could mm-hmm. sell these the color is not right it doesn't match this and we're like all right well we're gonna send labels get them back and they're like well uh, we can't do that because we already sold like 30% of them or whatever. I'm like, you just fucking told me these were unsellable.
1: Okay, but still like, well, here's what I, here's how I my thinking on this was is that one uh, it's a customer that places 10 orders a week at least and they n- rarely reject or complain this just happened. Uh, the order was specific to June and it had to happen this month. It's for uh this month only. And this month, today is the last day. Um, They already had sold some just like you said. But uh, I think it was that they somebody who was somebody in the uh, management was traveling didn't see until they got back and said, Hey, this didn't turn out as good as I thought. What it was was it was an ombre effect that didn't contrast enough. And so um, I think that I just said, Look, you don't worry about it. We'll just get it next time. And so that I was think one were, of those where I think you were hundred percent
2: right in that. And I think that was a yeah. special uh, circumstance. I'm just saying like an average customer that maybe orders once or twice a year or just their first order or whatever. Oh, and well, they
0: complain about it a thousand percent, hundred yeah. percent. I'm like, yeah, mm. I, I want them back. Right. So what you're talking about is the DNA of the customer. So, you know, when we got busy, when COVID, uh, obviously it was over. We all got really, really busy. We actually sat in a room and we off-boarded probably about 40% of our customers because we really want a trust relationship and, and the ones that we felt weren't a good fit or uh, we, there wasn't that trust built so on and so forth. So uh, Andy, I would do the same thing on that circumstance for sure. Uh, but I would assume that's a good client. I, I can tell by the way you talked mm-hmm. about and they're a good client. You, you, you trust them in a sense that, you know, you don't feel Uh, that there's any games going on and you just want to keep them happy. I I would do the same.
1: I think the important thing is, is that you have to, even though we didn't do a whole lot wrong, you know, because we mixed Pantones that we were supposed to, it just didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. And I want them to be happy. And I just, every once in a while, you just got to say, forget it. Like, don't worry about it for the invoice. We'll just, let's print the stuff next week. You know what I mean? And so I just think that that's an important and it's hard. Because you're like, wait, this uh, this sucks because I have to avoid this invoice. I don't want to, you know, like I had, yeah. I'm losing money, but are you really? Because I think you gain it because the re- reply actually, once we told them what we were doing was we very positive. Customer. Yeah. It's very yeah. positive, you know? And so you're right though. They got to keep those other shirts. I didn't ask for them back in this case. I'm just like, whatever, don't worry about it. And know we'll get them next time and so um it'll be a win on the next order that's kind of how i looked at it and i thought it would be a fun or like an important thing to talk about because i i get caught up in sometimes like wait a second you know we shouldn't have to avoid this or whatever and that's the i guess that's the nuance or that's the difference between um some, some of your top customers to some something like you were talking about dylan the person sorting once a year or whatever where that happens, then yeah, you ask for the shirts back. It's complicated, isn't it? I mean, and if I'm not making, like, if I'm not in here, let's say I was gone and somebody else has to make those decisions. Like, do you have somebody that you can trust to make the right decision? Because if you make the wrong decision there, you're gonna lose, potentially lose an account. In fact, I saw yesterday on Instagram, one of our, one of my favorite customers, it's not our largest or anything, but just one of our customers that I like printing their stuff. I saw that they... I went on Instagram and said, hey, two new shirts and they were wearing them and we didn't print them. And I'm like, that hurts. Like, what did we do wrong? And so I was like, OK, honestly, it sucks. And so I thought to myself, "Okay, wait, I could ignore it. We you know, maybe we did something wrong. Maybe they have a person that isn't, uh, you know, sometimes there's a there's a change in who orders the shirts and all of a sudden somebody else is in charge and they're going to their cousin or whatever. And so I don't know the real reason why we're not printing that order or why we didn't print those two orders, but I want to ask and I want to, I will not email. I want to message or whatever and say, Hey, did we just want to know, like, did we do something (laughs) wrong? And if it, if so, like, what was it so that I can fix that, you know, next time? Like, so that won't happen again because I want to print your shit, you know?
2: Every time that happens, I feel like it's something it's, I feel like it's like a girlfriend thing where you're like, you feel betrayed, but you're also like feel shitty emailing them like you're whining you're like oh why not me you know what i mean like i don't know it's just it's weird it's such i don't a, think you can word feeling. it
1: i wouldn't word it like why not me well no, obviously yeah. not i'm just saying that, like
2: <laughs> i'm just saying that it's it's things like you see that yeah. and you especially mm-hmm. when it's a customer that you're kind of like buddy mm-hmm. with you know what i mean like you feel like you had a good relationship like i've had that recently where You know, there was this customer we dealt with for years and then they just kind of like stopped getting orders for a while. And I emailed them and they're like, oh, we just got to the point where we really had to focus on price. And then they started price shopping and like we just weren't the best price or whatever, which you don't really want to race to the bottom. But you're also kind of like, oh, like I thought we were I thought we were fucking bloods, you know, like I thought Mm -hmm. we were ride or die. And then they're just like, oh, well, I'll go to someone else because I have to think about the bottom line or whatever. And it's kind of like. That so,
0: sucks. I've got a question for you guys, and it's just mm-hmm. been you know my you know talking. Obviously, I was thinking this would be a good question to ask you guys. I find that that the word screen print is used for almost everything, meaning that we're screen printers, right? Uh, but we try. I've told my team and said I, we're garment decorators. And the reason I did that wasn't because I don't like screen print and it doesn't pay the bills. Uh, But I really feel like the industry tends to want to hang on to uh, what they're comfortable with or what they like. Uh, Nowadays, everybody's saying digital is going to take over. I I disagree. Uh, But I think being open to different techniques, we do DTF, Digi, we do uh, DTG. Uh, we have woven labels now with our, uh, we bought sewing machines and, and I feel like the industry sometimes is comfortable or maybe, maybe profitable. I, I, more of a question to you guys, but. I push the team to say, we've got to be innovative. We've got to think about it. Don't don't think it's the next thing to take over. Think of it as another option for your customer. Right now for yeah. DTF, it's just going nuts for us. And I think it's really good for screen print because if it's nine colors, it's not. I just had a client say it's nine colors, nine pieces. I was like, oh, we'll DTF that. It's better for them on price, keeps it off the big press. Uh, so do you guys, you know, obviously you guys are really, you know, explorers of the industry and see from my perspective, I guess, and I'm looking for yours is, is that that the industry struggles with the change and innovation and fear and some things like that.
2: I just feel like a lot of people get stuck in their ways of this is the only way to do this. This is what I'm known for. This is whatever. But I think here, I've always said, I don't really ever say like a screen print shop. I usually just say we're like a print shop or a custom merchandising shop or whatever.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. Because I do feel like all those things are tools. And that's the, that goes back again to even like the small part of it is the debate between water-based and plastic is It's like, we do both because it's not about what I want necessarily. It's not that I'm like, we're hundred percent a water-based shop or we're hundred percent plus all it's like it's what the customer wants like yeah before any of the other things it's like how i look at it as every job comes in is how could i best produce this job for the customer to get the result that they're looking for yeah and the truth of it is is like nowadays if you go to the mall or you go anywhere like half of the shirts you see in in there are a digital print or a dtf or whatever and it's like Go look outside your shop and see like what's actually selling right now and like what's happening. And the norm is that nowadays I feel like so many people are used to the fact that whatever graphic they want, they want it on a shirt. They don't necessarily care if it's a screen print or a water base or a, you know, a digital or whatever. They just want the graphic on the shirt and they want it to not fall off. So like we should look at it as like what tool works the best for that client and what they're trying to achieve. So I think that's what people should look at going forward is just like I want to be knowledgeable on all the tools so that my shop can do whatever it is that my client coming through the door wants.
0: Agreed, hundred percent agreed. I, but you know, I, I've seen that through the industry a lot of debate and a lot of concern and kind of going back and forth. But like DTF, just so you know, we don't we don't have a DTF machine. We we get we do gang sheets every single day, and there's. We get a big roll and they come in every single day, but we sure have heat presses. We know how to locate it. I mean, you know, they still need us, right? Does that make sense? If, if we yeah. decide to get a DTF machine, I think the technology is new and it's still, but I think yep. diving into it, like you said, for the customer's benefit and then really consulting them on what the best way to go is. Uh, I think those things, my opinion, that's a key to success.
2: I think a lot of the people that like to bitch and moan about it are the people who just are scared to learn a new thing. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I've screen printed for 25 years and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, have you looked into anything else? Like, have you tried? Have you tested anything? Have you whatever? Like we got into DTF, but we didn't get into it lightly. We didn't just pick one place. We didn't just be like, oh, super And we're just going to order transfers or, you know, any of these places. Like I researched like 10 different places and we did tests with all of them and we did yeah. prints. We ordered DTF and uh, digital stuff and everything, like all these hybrid prints of actual prints that we were screen printing. And then we did them side by side and tested them and like, you know, had the customer look at them and all these other things and pick what worked for us. So I think that's the thing is you just need to educate yourself of like, this isn't as bad as you think it is. Like there's a stigma out there of, oh, it's this like transfer or digital thing. It's like, well, have you washed it? 10 times? Have you stretched it? Have you held it? Have you tried I don't know. different ways to post-press? Like,
1: I, um, I think that maybe being scared isn't the right uh, word. Maybe some are. That's probably true. But I think that there are probably shops out there that are in overtime with their printing presses. I mean, I started as a screen printer in my garage, and that's what I did. There wasn't DTF. I didn't have an embroidery machine. I was a screen printer. And I think that if I had a business that was built around that, and that was my niche, let's say, and I was really good at it, and I charged a premium, and that's what I liked, and I was busy, and I think I could just be a screen printer. I don't have to be an apparel decorator. I don't have to have embroidery or anything like that like we do, but I thought that um, it was a nice, like it just, it went well together, and so we added it a while back, and, and I don't regret that decision or anything. I don't really know embroidery very well, But um, so I would probably describe myself as more of a screen printer just because I just don't know. I'm not really an embroiderer. I don't know how to run the machine. I can, but not like very well. And um, I agree. But I'm also
2: saying that if you get to that point, you need to realize that if you decide to just stick with screen printing and you're not looking at the trends in the industry and what's happening, then you can't bitch when like you go (laughs) under because you didn't stay with the times. Like, yeah that's the truth of it is you can't keep up with the other people because you can't offer the shit that
1: yeah but like dan said he he doesn't think screen printing is going to go away ever you know maybe it maybe it loses market share let's say to dtf and other things which it's probably will that makes sense maybe i saw this thing what was it um print tavo I think they posted something like the biggest press in the world. It had like 65 stations. Yeah, that was rock, rock on that old. And it had yeah. like a, um, 100 pallets or whatever, or I mean, a bunch of colors. And I thought to myself, stupid, because why would you ever want, like, especially when things are, like, if I have a color that needs Or a shirt, I should say, that needs 65 colors. I'm just, it doesn't even make any sense. Because wouldn't you just shift that to some other process, like a digital squeegee? Wouldn't you have just bought a digital squeegee because you're taking up way less space in your shop, way less of a press. It just doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. I saw that it was kind of cool. It's sort of like that thing, like, oh my God, it blew my mind, you know, like 65 station, that's crazy. But like, why would you buy that press? It just doesn't make sense to me not not <laughs> now like i would i would buy a 14 color or 16 color and put a digital squeegee on and it Buy a had, polaris
2: like, or a digital squeegee or yeah something. i just wouldn't yeah. buy
1: that press but i think that i don't know i think that if you i think it's okay to know your niche and then if that's what you're good don't deserve why why d- diversify it doesn't even matter like if you just go all in on what you're great at because then you're going to be maximizing your profits but you could get stuck one day if it, like you said, flips to not that, like, oh, by the way, nobody's ever screen printing ever again. But that seems like pretty far down the road if that ever happened. I think
2: my thing is my preferred method is obviously screen printing. Like there's more art to it, there's more life to it and all this other stuff. But I think what I would rather do is I would rather be a printer for, like I'm more interested in the niches that we're in, like the markets that we're in. Like if I wanna print for, ex-comedian who's gonna go on tour and he wants this certain print i'm gonna do whatever i can do to make it what he wants because i want to do that print or if it's a comic book thing and it's this whole crazy whatever like if they're like oh i want to do this with embroidery added and puff and this and this like i don't care how i'm printing it i just want to print it to where it looks cool so like whatever process i can do if that's hybrid if that's whatever yeah. So I I think that's that's where I'm at is I just want to I want to own a print shop that can just do rad shit like I don't really care yeah. necessarily the method I mean I prefer screen printing but I just want to make cool stuff
0: yeah and I think that's where you know we're trying to keep our heads is be innovative look at what's there and focus on what what the customer is looking for right um, but uh, yeah. The other thing that I find in the industry is diversification. I mean, we we got into retail because I had a call from a big retailer and, uh, I said, you do inter-tag prints. And I said, no, but we can. So I bought a bunch of ASPs and I'm, I'm, we're doing those. That now is almost, it's almost the gorilla. It's 30, 40% of our business is retail. We had no retail businesses at all. I I, I just did it because I really felt like, uh, you know, you don't know sports, sports stopped for a year and a half. Can you imagine we'll have this shop? And we had no business cause we were 40% sports, right? So I felt like I learned my lesson, but also it's, like you said, do cool stuff for different types of industries. So we try to, you know, really look at the Percentages between uniforms, promo, uh, sports, and retail. Honestly, retail is a little scary because it's it's growing so much. Uh, so we're really working the other disciplines if that makes sense. But you know, we we now do blank uh, inventory for retailers, so they ship their containers directly to us. We put them in the rack. Of course, I'm a logistics guy, so we pick them. Then we build the order, and then we ship them directly to the retail stores. That was something we didn't do. Um, I just think it's important to always be open to something new. Does that make sense yeah. from a yeah, from probably. a technique to a different type of customer? And you know, if they if they feel like you're open to innovation or trying something new, I feel like the customers are willing to 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 you know go with it, right?
2: So, as this business mindset and what you've done, and you're happy with the uh, industry, and obviously things have picked up. What, uh, what do you want to implement next? What do you feel like is next in uh, your space?
0: It, we, we made an agreement that we're not going to do anything new for a couple of years. Uh, new as far as like expansion or anything like that, um, because we really want to get good at our discipline. So really our focus right now is we got the four legs, the four you know, different verticals, if you would. Uh, we're really trying to be innovative for those customers. Um, but we really, we just want to be profitable. We, we really want to run a good shop. We want to train up our people. So kind of the focus right now is I told the team, let's not think about anything new as far as what's going to the company's next step uh, for two years. Uh, it's It's been really good because I think, you know, as you guys get to know me, I mean, I, they were fairly scared of me, I'm sure. <laughs> like, oh, God, this guy, you know, a lot of agendas. I think people also want to, you know, feel that they're in a place that, you know, not too much change. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, so you just
2: want to focus on systems and processes to
0: systems make systems and processes
2: Yeah. to get everything dialed in? Yeah. Is there one in particular you you want to focus on? Labor management, labor over management.
0: and over and over building up our team. And again, like I said, in the spirit of building them up, uh, I we, we have now very low turnover, we were at 100% turnover, Uh, when I came on board, uh, it was seen as kind of a job, an hourly job, but we were a little bit under market. And I don't think anybody felt connected to the industry or the company in the shop I'm not talking about the front office of course but you know I I think in my opinion the people in the shop are the most important employees you got and you, you got to really take care of them I'll share some with you we just did yesterday we had a, a captain on swing and uh, she her mother had a stroke and she was gone for two weeks very hard in the shop because key employee and three team members stepped, stepped up and they just you know they really owned it and they of course really didn't want her to worry about things and of course screen for working late nights and all that but when she got back back, we met with the three employees and her and we gave them gift cards and a letter and just, you know, really congratulated them on on really owning things. Right. And these are employees are line employees. And you, you know, I I left the meeting thinking to myself, those three employees got blessed, right? They they really felt rewarded for that. I would like to see them continue to grow, you know, not not just in the shop, but professionally, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's some things that I need to work on, too. I think I think my next steps are to basically do some of that time tracking, but also do rewards with that as as too. I just I I think I just need to figure out what those rewards are. Mm
0: -hmm. I
2: think that's my biggest thing. I don't want to do too much too fast and then kick myself in the ass. So
0: this is just my opinion because I was in big companies. I think a monthly employee of the month is is becomes very, very quick. I think it needs to be tactical. Find something that somebody overachieved and then reward them or recognize them for that. I don't know. We we don't do it public either. We just, it was just me and the screen manager and the captain and those three employees. So they feel like it's very personal. That makes sense. I I, I like that. Nobody else in the shop knows about it except maybe now a few people, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Andy, do you want to do over-unders?
1: Over-unders. Yeah. So I'm going to say I have nine things over here and you either say that it's overrated, underrated, or properly rated. So the first one is popcorn.
0: (laughs) Underrated.
2: (laughs) Are you a popcorn guy where you add like all kinds of seasonings and stuff? Or are you just like a extra butter popcorn guy?
0: Extra butter salt popcorn guy, for sure.
2: Okay. I remember growing up, uh, my dad would always go buy uh, the powdered mac and cheese, like a craft or something, and he would buy like a bulk package of them. I don't know what it is, like 50 boxes per a case or whatever. I remember well, he, he always loved to open one of those and steal the cheese packet out, and then he would pour that on the popcorn. And then eventually you would go try to have mac and cheese because you were starving and you would realize there was no cheese packet. Like you'd make the noodles and be like, what the hell? Like, there's no, there's no cheese. I don't know. It just reminded me of that.
1: Yeah. I love popcorn. It can be almost any like a kettle corn, white cheddar, lots of butter. Now I
2: I know what to get you for Christmas is one of those like tins with like the three different.
1: And they're okay. I mean, like, I like it fresh. I should say sometimes those tins you get during the holidays and you're like, they're gross. I know. All right. Um, next we have air conditioning
2: well we kind of talked about that in the beginning
0: yeah Um, uh, underrated for sure out (laughs) here
2: i'm a thick guy underrated
1: i know i was we were on a walk the other night and it was still i don't know almost 90 degrees and humid and i'm like what did they do 100 years ago you know how could you i would move Mm. like i would literally move from here i couldn't do it it's how did you sleep if it were like that at night, you know, like it was miserable. So air conditioning, one of the best inventions of all time. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, auto reclaim.
0: Uh, under Underrated. We just bought the Lotus. Love it. Um, felt really sorry for the guys in the car wash, what it looked like, right? So uh, I think we could have bought a larger unit, spent a little bit more money. And I would say it's definitely underrated for sure.
2: hmm so you guys just got to auto reclaim with that many autos and that many people? Uh, a year ago, I think it's about a year now. And you're how are you liking it? You th- you're saying now you should have got another one. Like, are you keeping up with screens?
0: Uh, we are, but just barely. We do three to four hundred a day, probably closer to four. So. Should have bought a faster one, a little bit more bells and whistles. I was feeling a little cheap about it. We hadn't done it before. Um, I don't think it's a bad machine. I think it's great. Depends on your budget, right? So we're happy with it, but boy, underrated for sure.
1: Uh, We know a guy, Mr. Mimoser. So I can hook you up if you want something that needs um, some serious output. Uh, I would say auto reclaim is one of the most underrated pieces of equipment in your shop. And I have, whenever I hear somebody like the first week that they get one and it's installed and they're running it owners even owners say hey i'm running screens through because they like it you know the, yeah, the quality awesome. of life just changes and you and it blows your mind that you're like wait a second i just ran 100 screens through this thing and they're clean and it was actually okay you know, like it wasn't such a brutal awful job and so yeah i think um massively underrated next we have tesla mm-hmm
0: <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. I'm an Elon Musk fan, so uh, underrated for sure. I love the car. I have a Tesla. It's uh, it's awesome for sure, for me. I,
2: I want to see that fight. Did you see that George St. Pierre is on the on Elon side now? As a trainer,
1: I did not. But I I love all the memes. First of all, like I locked in like. The Dan, have Napoleon. you heard about this?
2: How Elon's going to fight uh, Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, you're kidding. Oh, no, it's real,
0: yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, so GSP, like, you know, Hall of Fame UFC fighter is going to help train Elon for fighting mm. in this yeah. event.
1: The thing is, is there's such a thing as, as weight class. And so I don't know how that's going to work because that's yeah. real, you know. Dude,
2: he's Elon's going to destroy him.
1: I don't older. think
0: Zuckerberg should do that. That would be a bad thing for him.
1: <laughs> I thought this. I thought that if Zuckerberg loses, then... That's okay, because people kind of think that he may already. Um, But if Elon loses, like, he's not cool anymore. Like, he's definitely going to go have to go to SpaceX and fly the fuck out of this, like, Earth. Because, (laughs) you know, like, everybody's going to be like, oh, you got got your ass kicked by fucking Zuckerberg. Like, you're not cool. All right, next week. He has to win. I know, he has to win. He has more to lose, in other words, I think, than Mark. Next, we have a personal assistant.
2: Oh, underrated, million percent.
0: I can't. I can't use one. So I'd Why? say for, for me, overrated. Uh, I have an admin team here of three people, and we just work as a team, and they help me. Um, mm. I I went to a company where there was two personal assistants sitting outside my door, and I didn't know what to do with them. Uh, <laughs> the owner told me to. I, I let one go, but I still struggled with the the other employee. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would rather work with the team and have an admin that's available um, when I need it. And as long as, uh, as long as that's the case, I feel like, you know, I'm not the King or anything here. Uh, I want to be part of the team, if that makes sense.
2: I I agree with that, but our, it, I don't know, I guess it, it's how you define personal assistant. Like, I feel like if my team, I don't know. I feel like the first time I considered someone a personal assistant was when I basically handed them my emails and said, you know, I need help with this. I need someone to tackle these for me. To me, that was a personal assistant, but now they're like a full on customer service person that I just say, hey, you're... For me, it's kind of like low man on the totem pole does like the running around, but um, I don't know. I, that's what it is to me. Like, I don't have someone who's just sitting here being like, here's your coffee, Mr. Gilligan.
0: But maybe that's what I was thinking. When you said personal, that that <laughs> is kind of like, you know, what do you need, Dan? You know, in the morning. Yeah. I don't need that at all.
1: I think yeah, I mean sure. that. Yeah, I think that's where the question <laughs> was <why, That's>, like <laughs>
2: that's what Andy wants. He wants someone to be like, here's your lotion. And
1: well, wait a second. I mean, I think that I think that they're underrated. And I think that, you know, there's there's such thing also now as a virtual personal assistant, which could probably be really helpful. Um, but I've really considered it. I don't know, so I've never had one, so I don't know what it would feel like or be like, and so it could be terrible. But I I guess not having one, I think that they're underrated because I think I really want one or possibly even need one. Next, I have travel.
2: Underrated. 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 What was the favorite place you went? You said you did a (laughs) ton of traveling.
0: Favorite country is Vietnam, for sure.
2: Why, just the scenery and the the
0: culture? or I probably got connected with the culture. Um, I went in in 1988 when it wasn't very popular to open a first office for a company. And, uh, you know, I got way too many stories about that. But you just become really connected with the people. I really like the culture. They've been through a whole lot. It's a beautiful country. Um, you know, the people are just great. And uh, I, I have a lot of personal friends there as well. Good food, so, too. Incredible food. Yeah.
1: Next, we have credit card rewards.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in Dan's reaction to this.
0: I'm not sure how to even categorize this, but I love them. <laughs> so uh, that's the one perk that that I keep in my back pocket and everybody knows about. But, you know, we do purchases on my uh, my business card. And I, I like to, you know, I, I get some off-road hobbies and stuff like that. And it's nice to pay for a rebuild once in a while.
2: I was gonna say because we brought this up in our personal chat together but what do you do with the reward is it go back into the business does it go in your pocket does it go what does it go to
0: so it is a personal perk of mine i don't know if that's right or wrong I'm probably feel embarrassed to say but i just feel like you
2: that's know, what i do yeah I'll I'll, I'll I'll say it it's like free money for me
0: yeah i i figure there's got to be some perks to ownership right so i just yeah. i take that one
1: right Next is spinach.
0: Hmm. Overrated. Flat,
2: flat line. <laughs> it is what it is.
0: It's just, yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't know. I eat it every day. I love it. Underrated. <laughs> Come over. I'll make you some spinach. You'll be it'll it'll like change your life. I hey, love it, baby. Um, and last we have humility. Underrated. Underrated. Yeah, why? And so why? I,
0: I ask for that, you know, not in a prayer sense, but just you know, I always remind myself, you know, it's it's important to be humble. I mean, uh, you know, you it it can happen to all of us, right? We think we're pretty bitching, and uh, mm-hmm. usually trouble happens right afterwards.
2: Hmm. I've actually personally been struggling with a lot of that lately, and just the things in my life with that, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll say underrated
1: agreed with you guys underrated. So Dylan, you have there were some listener questions. There
2: were quite a few listener questions for you, Dan. So let me try to navigate these a little bit. Mark sportswear says, How do you offer commission to any outside Salesforce? How large is your Salesforce?
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of contract. By the way, contract isn't the best or worst. It's just who we are. But uh, our Salesforce is our customers so uh you know we deal with a lot of promo companies uh you know i say that sometimes to some of my best customers i said hey you're our sales force and that is really a partnership so we choose not to go out and sell garments and and art and all that but we want to we want to provide the best backup form and and be able to deliver the product so they are our sales force
2: do you not have salespeople to try to get more contract customers
0: i am i'm at so, uh, you know, we really try to be picky. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, I try to work with every, uh, I just got a contact from San Mar and they come, you know, Sanmar's is great with us. They recommend us a lot because Reno's right here with their warehouse. And, uh, but I want to make sure it's a fit. I, I, you know, I don't go at it from a sales. I really go at it from, you know, is this a fit? How can we help you? And, uh, uh, you know, we work it from there. That was something you
2: said earlier that I had in my mind to go back to and I never did was you had mentioned at one point post-COVID that you got rid of, like, what, 40% of customers that you had? Were they just shit customers, time suck customers? What was it?
0: Yeah, but it wasn't just price or size because you think that's, you know, we're we making money or are they too small. But those are factors. But I think really the fit. And and we really, you know, we, we had some customers that over the years just wasn't a fit. We weren't able to... We talked about damages. I mean, you know, how many damages, you know, there's some customers that everything's a damage. And the question is, is that, you know, how is that sold to the customer? What were the expectations of those type of things? So when there are Salesforce, you know, let's be honest, there's good salespeople and there's people that, you know, maybe struggle. We also try to educate our customers, but some are just not open to that. So, you know, I guess the main thing is there's a relationship uh, there's, there's, there's trust built. Um, and we have some, you know, very small customers we kept because we felt that was there.
2: Okay. Uh, Mark had another good question too. Uh, how long and involved is your training for new hires?
0: Nah, uh, we could do a lot better at that. Um, we, we do an orientation. We do the OSHA thing. We, uh, Uh, I go in with the executives and we introduce ourselves and we tell our story. Um, And then we, and then we probably don't do so great from there. Um, We, we get them into the department and we train them on the, 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 the functions they're going to be doing and they, they get a shadow for, for a week or weeks. Um, But I've always thought that, you know, working them through, I, we just don't have the time or the resources. Maybe that's an excuse, but I'd love to see them move around the shop and really learn uh, multiple disciplines. What does art do and how does this, and we've talked about it. We've just never implemented that.
2: Uh, I don't know if we really got into this too much, but Matt relentless says uh, what's your niche? Uh, What's your ideal client?
0: Hmm. So uh, maybe I misunderstand. But you didn't ask the question, but niche, meaning that, uh, like, what do you, are you going after sports teams? Are you
2: going after the schools? Are you going after bands? What, what is your ideal contract customer giving you as far as like apparel types
0: so the the, uh, the owner that I bought from, his name was Dave Olson, and he he felt that it's really important to have verticals balanced. So, for example, we could take on 50 percent of the shop in sports tomorrow, uh, but it would it would disrupt uh, sports is its own DNA. Right. So what we're trying to do is is try to limit those four. We, we look at them and we we push certain uh, growth areas that we think we have capacity So we, I think I repeat myself, but you know, retail, sports, promo, and uniforms. uh, We, we right now are pretty heavy retail. So we're really trying to work on, in fact, you know, we've just landed uh, a sports uh, account. And that starts on monday and that was sports was down to like 16 percent. east bay got bought out by bsn and when that happened we were the east Bay's west coast solution so right now we really we've got all these poly dryers and you know the auto numbering systems and all sorts of stuff and we're light there and so uh but you know if you said do i want to grow sports the answer is well why uh, we just want to be diversified in our product offerings if that makes sense so i've been pushing sports
2: Uh, Midwest shirt company says, what about the business keeps you up at night?
0: Uh, finances, it's a very expensive business, capital intensive, um, you know, making sure I think I've come to a comfort level where, where we, I think being financially disciplined will allow me to sleep at night. And it's very easy to get kind of Uber excited about something new or doing, but just really tempering that with a plan and not over, over capitalizing the business.
2: Uh, a lead Inc says this kind of ties into that, uh, a total gross revenue up or down from last year and, uh, by how much, and that to the reason why, the only reason why I asked that, like, I definitely don't want specifics. Um, but I feel like for me and for a bunch of people, I know, like people don't necessarily like to be vocal about this, but like, it's been a really weird year, like two years. I feel like it's like, and I've said this a bunch of times, like it's really busy one week and then it's crickets the next week. It's really busy the next week. And it's like. It's this weird up and down. Like, have you seen that as well?
0: Yeah, not people talk about it. We'll, we'll grow about 50% this year. So that, that's, no, I'm sorry. We're going to grow. We grew 50% last year. We're going to grow about 35% this year. Sorry. Uh, uh, so, but we we thought we were going to grow more. The first four months, uh you know i think we're in a recession nobody wants to talk about it but for example were doing it just is what it is right especially promotional yeah. times we were doing a lot of stuff for google and facebook and those things through distributors of course we don't not directly uh, but that business is way off so uh it was pretty scary i mean we we lost a good chunk of money if the other decorators have as well it's uh the first three months i was you know Not sleeping super well at night because I was thinking, hey, but uh, we we started coming back in May and we're really rolling pretty good right now. Um, But, uh, you know, that that slow period in the first of the year scared me quite a bit. But we're, we're we'll do fine overall. Um, and again, we expanded, I'm not sure i brought it up, but in November, we went from 25,000 square feet to 50, and uh, we bought a bunch of equipment and did those things. So we have more capacity. Uh, we also didn't really think it would take us that long to kind of get up to capacity. It's not as much as the machines. It's really training the operators, uh, you know, getting, you know, obviously you, you have more capacity, you need more customers. So, but we're, we feel like we've kind of caught up with ourselves now.
1: Nice. All right, Andy. Quick takes. The first question is, what do you miss the most about childhood? And today I would tell you for me, it is um no back pain. I'm just gonna go with that because <laughs> my back's hurting today even more than usual. But yeah, that's what I miss. How about you?
0: Miss about childhood. Wow, that's a that's a interesting question. I, uh, I I'm not, I mean, I'm 59, so I guess I'm I'm I miss a little bit the idea that there's a whole lot of runway in front of me. Mm -hmm. um because it gives you more flexibility as you get older you you know you can't i always say you can't pivot like you used to be able to do so i can't take chances i guess like i used to be able to
2: you feel like you took a good chance going from the life you had before to the screen printing industry
0: yeah my wife would tell you a huge i thought she was going to have heart attack for sure because there's a lot of comfort Um, But that's my last one. (laughs) Uh, I always tell the team, I mean, this is, don't worry. I mean, uh, you know, our intent just, you know, is not to sell the business, but to try to, uh, you know, uh, in some form or fashion, which I'm still struggling with is, you know, turn the company over to the employees. So, you know, but this is my last draw as far Hmm. as that goes, for sure.
2: Hell yeah. Let's see, something random that brings you joy.
0: i'm kind of a nut for off-road riding motorcycles so i still race uh desert race and it's you know so everybody in the shop thinks i'm nuts and i will break another bone for sure but uh, <laughs> it's just the adrenaline it's just the thing i love to do so you know it's probably not super rational but i just do it anyway.
2: are you just doing like dunes and stuff or are you doing like hill climbs or what are you doing <laughs>
0: Uh, in the, I've done enduros in Texas. I lived in Texas for a long time, and also in Northern California. But here is desert racing, which is worse because it's high speed, right? So it's 100 miles takes you five or six hours. You're with about 500 riders, and it's dusty as can be and rocky, and <laughs> it's it's a, it's a little irrational. But uh, every time I done racing, I think I think I'm too old for this, and then I sign up for the next race. So oh hell yeah, you do. Yeah. All right.
1: If you could change out one piece of equipment at your shop, what would it be?
0: I don't know change out, I'm disappointed with the DTG machines. I've got two brothers. Um, it's very limited as far as 100% cotton and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm not sure the change out is the right thing, but uh, you know, I've, I've done. I learned my lesson in trying to focus on one thing. That's why I asked you the digital thing. Is, is I think you just need to be open to change and options and not be, you know, too focused on one silver bullet. So, but those underperformed for sure. My expectations.
1: So you would just kill off that department or just get different get something else.
0: I'm hoping that DTG and, you know, we do digital vinyl and things like that. I, I hope over time that that probably goes away. <laughs> Maybe being too honest, but, you know, it's just, it, it's too 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 segmented. I hear a lot of people say, that's not my thing. I think I know why they say that. It's, uh, <laughs> I think that people's
2: biggest headache with all of that is pre-treat.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. I should have brought that up. I hate the, you know, how to pre-treat it and not get that square. And, you yep. know, it's just, it's just a big pain in the butt.
2: They got, sure. they got to. Uh, pampered a little bit with DTF, not having to pre-treat or anything.
0: I love DTF. It's just, you know, no weeding with the vinyl. You got to weed, weed, weed. I don't like that. When I saw the DTF, it's, you know, there's definitely, we're not selling the DTGs to your question, but you know, I I tend to steer customers a little bit away from it now. Mm -hmm.
2: Is there anything that you're watching, reading, or listening to right now that you really like?
0: Um. No, I've been. I've been I, I was interested in the digital squeegee, and kind of I like that concept. Uh, uh, so I keep an up on it. But uh, again, I like I, I like that idea. I just uh, scared of a two hundred fifty thousand dollars unit to plug onto a press. But I, I keep watching it. Andy.
1: All right, Dan. What is for dinner tonight? Hmm.
0: I don't know. Uh, the wife <laughs> always surprises me, but she's great. She cooks every evening, so I wouldn't know.
2: What do you think it is?
1: What do you want? Mm-hmm. What
0: do you
2: want it to be? Manifest it, Dan. Come on.
0: <laughs> uh, my favorite is beef ribs. She does them really good. She she bakes them. And, uh, you know, big, chunky, meaty beef ribs are great with a little salad. And I'm
2: happy. Well, I'm yeah. hoping you get beef ribs tonight.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks. <laughs>
2: well thanks for coming on with us man we super appreciate it uh you you seem to have a really awesome thing going and i'm glad that you decided that after everything you went through in life that screen printing was where you wanted to land
0: yeah definitely hopefully but. i see you guys uh i've also committed to kind of going to some of the trade shows you know mm-hmm. definitely kind of want to network uh, if you don't mind i'll, I'll ship you those up I, i'm not a big secret guy so you know i'll, I'll send you both of you those uh scheduling tools that we have in regards i would love to, that oh yeah I mean, I, thank you man it's you know I, I would say your shop's gonna be different in regards to how you do things and so on and so forth. but i think you know being able to have something that has metrics you can play with but you can adjust those so uh, i would love that yeah i'll will ship them for sure to you thanks dude um and thank well,
1: you I'll... nice meeting you and uh this was fun and um we'll see you later
2: i guess we'll see you at the next trade show long
1: beach maybe? long beach yeah
2: for sure we'll be there sweet thanks dude we'll see you later all
0: right see ya